Shut up and sit down. everybody so about five minutes ago my mom called me and she says I know you have your podcast thingy um but I wanted to ask you a question and I said I do have my podcast thingy and you can ask a question and she says I'm gonna put you on speaker I said okay and I get a whole bunch of highs from a whole bunch of people that she's um having a stitching bitch anyways my sister is there and she asked me she says, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to answer it. I said, okay. And she said, um, she asked me, what are the three things that you will never want to run out of? And I said, tea, clean underwear, and hand sanitizer. And she said, I told you. And then she hung up on me. <laughs> But I do work hard not to run out of any of those things. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> that was... Is that really a list I would include from my mother's Stitch and Bitch Club? I think so. TP would definitely make my top five, but hand sanitizer is, you know, I have to be out in people, and people are, uh <laughs> People don't wash their hands. <laughs> I have to, I have to sanitize the world before me. <laughs> I also keep a, a tiny little can of Lysol in my purse. I'm not kidding, I do. Okay, anyways, <clears throat> tonight we're not going to talk about, um, motivation and um, all that stuff. And I think it's actually a really timely conversation to have because we're moving into um, uh, having a, a a different kind of challenge environment um, starting in August. And uh, for those, you know, we can't, you know, our tribe is, is changing a little bit and we're going to have, um, this expanded year-long challenge, and um, I think it's important to talk about uh, how to manage your time and your creativity and all that stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, <clears throat> okay. Okay. I'm using a totally different headset today because I like headset roulette, so if you can't hear me, just let me know. I can he- hear you fine. Are you using the one like I've got or something different? I'm using earbuds today because I, okay. um, I don't want to not be able to hear the world around me. Oh, are you still worried about the thing? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put the thing on the patio? It is on the patio. Um, we've been we we, <laughs> we did yeah. Yeah, it's on the patio. But we need to, you know, if she encounters another one, I don't want there to be screaming that I don't hear. <laughs> Tell them the thing. Tell them. 
Well, we had we had a late night spider emergency last night, and um, it, it is like the biggest spider I've seen that is not a tarantula on the ceiling. And when when on the ceiling, it's like there's a risk you're going to knock it somewhere where you can't find it again or knock it on your own damn head or I don't know. Anyway, this is how big. I decided I was going to vacuum it. And normally I use a hand vac for vacuuming up bugs, but this was too big for a hand vac. I wasn't risking it. So I got the full-on vacuum cleaner out. Folks, it clogged the vacuum. Um, My vacuum gets a clog light on that turns on when it gets something in it that it can't deal with. And, um, yeah, the vacuum got the clog light, and we just, like, we don't know if we can deal with this. We put it out on the patio. And I've had spiders live for multiple days in a vacuum before. Um, so we're a little bit worried about it. It its survival, so we left it out on the patio last night in case it got free and it was pissed off. But then we had to stay up and watch TV until the wee hours of the morning. And... Um, uh, Last night you told me it was somewhere between a tarantula and a wolf spider. <laughs> yeah, it was big. <laughs> was fucking huge. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was not a tarantula. I don't think it was a tarantula. It was big. It was. It's big. It, it felt like it was. It felt tarantula big, but it actually wasn't that big. Also, it had kind of short legs. Um, and tarantulas have long legs, so I don't know what to make of that spider. It was very strange, um, and which actually is terrifying because it was a short-legged spider and it was that big. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Yeah. So she's been nervous all day. So this is right above my sister's bed. She got up. You know, Does got she have arachnophobia? She's not super twitchy about spiders, but she doesn't like them above her bed. And the bigger they are, the harder it is for her to deal with them. So she's not as, actually not as phobic as me, except apparently the bigger they are, we like our phobias become inverted. Um, so when they're little, I don't deal real well with them, but she does. And when the bigger they are, I deal better than she does. So, yeah, it was weird. But we dealt, sort of, we dealt with ice cream and TV shows until we both were falling asleep. I had already been asleep when, you know, this whole thing went down. So um, I got it to deal with the spider. Yeah, she starts screaming again. <laughs> or she decides to go out on the patio and try to deal with the clogged vacuum. <laughs> yeah, there's well, just no need. You just donate the vacuum and buy a new one. I mean, you know, that's his home yeah. now. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to start over. <laughs> you just start over. It's not worth the shot. But um, I... I don't know if I've ever put this on my podcast or not, but I did talk about it. I think it might have been in chat um, where I accidentally picked up a wolf spider. Um, I had cleaned out my hairbrush and I wasn't wearing my glasses. And I thought uh, the, I thought that I had missed the trash can. And I have a lot of hair, so when I cleaned out my hairbrush, it, you know, it's a big gob of hair. You know, it's terrible, right? So I thought I had missed the trash can and I wasn't wearing my glasses. And I picked it up. <laughs> it was not hair. I screamed <laughs> bloody murder. I'm surprised that my neighbors didn't call the cops. I, I mean, my husband bolted up out of the bed like an Olympic runner. He, I <laughs> what? What? And what's worse is he's the one with the arachnophobia. And I said, don't come out here. Don't come out here. It's a giant spider. 
And you said, holy shit. <laughs> so he's freaking out. I'm freaking out. And I don't really freak out about spiders, um, but I picked it up. <laughs> yeah, you picked it up. But you got up close and personal with it. So anyway, I eventually captured it and threw it out the front door. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, scre- I screamed a mouse to death once. It's a very strange thing. Um, I was at my mother's house, and I walked out of the bathroom, and a mouse ran across my path. And I have a piercing scream. I, um, at least I used to when I was younger. Um, like, you know, horror movie piercing scream. And I screamed like bloody murder and ran back in the bathroom and shut and locked the door. And, you know, the house was kind of U-shaped. So I hear this stampede of footsteps because my mother thought I'd been murdered. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear so like funny, some cut-off screeches. <laughs> I hear these cut-off screeches, right? And I'm like, and they're like, okay, I'm listening to what she was screaming about, you know. And they're like, I guess you're not dead. And I was like, so they're talking about this mouse. I'm like, this mouse has got really sh- shitty self-preservation instincts. And, you know, my sister knocks on the door and she says, you need to come out here and see this. And I was like, see what? I don't want to see that mouse. And she's like, calm down. Just come out. What happened to this mouse? Was this what it was doing when you saw it? I'm like, what do you mean when was this what it was doing? And I go out and this mouse is running in circles. Just running in circles in the hallway. As fast as it can, it's running in circles. I'm like, why is it doing that? And she says, I don't know. And I was like, well, it wasn't doing that when it scared the shit out of me. So, um, we thought, well, maybe it'll calm down if we get it outside. So we did it in a very strange way. We kind of put a bowl and a flexible cutting mat under it. And kind of, it just ran in circles in the bowl. And we put it outside, and it just kept running in circles until about two hours later it dropped dead. We're dead. And um, I, um, we, I, asked, I asked our vet about, like, what the hell happened to that mouse? And she said, well, you probably either ruptured its eardrum or cause it to have a stroke. And I said, oh, <gasps> that's terrible. <laughs> that's so that's terrible. absolutely terrible. I screamed a mouse to death, and it just ran in place basically until it died. She said, yeah, it part probably eventually gave out. I was like, I feel like the biggest you're monster a, in the world. You're a banshee. I'm, I'm a mouse murderer is what I am. <laughs> that's so terrible. Like, I may have been actually that's true. I may have been a banshee in another life. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It was this terrible tiny little field mouse, right? It was not like the little she said. She thought basically I scared her mouse to death. Whether it was because of the ear or because it had stroke or its little heart gave out, whatever. I do not know what the kind thing to do is in that kind of situation because I've never encountered that situation before. No, I mean, what do you do? I mean, just... I don't know. That's It's so weird. It was strange. Okay. What? Oh, we're talking about the things things that can get in your way. Can get in your way, including yourself. You can totally yeah. get in Most, your own way. 
mostly it's yourself. I mean, I mean, yes, there are there's life. Just except for life, most of the stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, job, family, that kind of stuff. But outside of like real life obligations, most of the things that between, um, <laughs> most of the things that are between a writer and writing are things that we kind of throw up and in, in, in our we're, we're kind of in our own way, in our own way. And I don't mean to. Hmm, I'm not making. I know there's a lot of sometimes a lot of anxiety that can go along with a lot of different aspects of writing, and there's in no way meaning to um, make light of that when we make the comment that we kind of get in our own way. But it, it is that is us. That is our own mind getting in our own way, whether it's through anxiety or insecurity or um, fear of the unknown or whatever. That's something in us that is getting in our way. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's kind of like finding out strategies to honor and acknowledge that and, and work around it rather than, you know, cut yourself down about it. But I think people kind of self-flagellate a lot when they have problems. Um, and I'm not sure that I think that that's a helpful strategy. One thing I see people say is, oh, well, I'm lazy. Or I can't do this because I'm I'm lazy. I can't write in that fandom because I don't know enough, you know, just tearing themselves down. Um, And it can be very, uh, very difficult to get back on track when you constantly do that to yourself. Yeah. And I think you have, when it comes to lazy, you've got to really decide, is it lazy? Are you lazy? It could be acknowledgement of just, that's you. Or it could be the reason you're not doing, you know, you're tearing yourself down as opposed to just acknowledging. Because I'll admit, there are some fandoms I don't write in because of the work. <laughs> Um, and right. I want to put it out, right. You know, and that could that could be just me, just you know, legitimately honor, you know, acknowledging that I'm too lazy to write in that fandom. But um, other things, you know, there are things I think sometimes people say kind of commonly that are unintentionally cutting them down. Um. Things like, well, I'll never finish anything anyway, or um, sometimes lazy is a kind of cutting themselves down. I'm actually people who uh, I've never seen people who work so hard at something call themselves lazy. So I don't know if that's somebody else's voice or their own voice, um, but it doesn't. It, it, it this is kind of like how do you kind of get around that? Um, The things we see people we see people get into I'll never get caught up. There's no point in trying, I'll never get caught up. Um, so let's say you get started on a writing challenge, you get started, especially if you've got a deadline. Deadlines can be anxiety provoking for people, but they can also be motivating. And deadlines are about how do you balance the anxiety versus the motivation. Um, if deadlines always send you into a panic, maybe any kind of structured challenge is not for you. 
But if deadlines can be a positive force for you, then you've got to figure out how to balance the anxiety. And one of the things I see people do when they get behind, like I said, they get started, they write a couple chapters, and then they go, I'm never going to get 50K by the end of the month. And they give up or they just don't do it because there's like all or nothing. I don't think all or nothing has ever helped anybody to getting a writing project up. No. If you get the no. If you get the end of the month and you got twenty k, isn't that better than getting the end of the month and having two k? I tell people all the because, time, you know, um, if you write every day, if you write five hundred words every day, at the end of the year, you have a novel. So don't say that you can't write a novel if you're a writer. If you're a writer, you can write a novel. You can write 500 words a day if you want to. And it's not fair to yourself to compare your productivity with somebody else's. I'm going to be honest. Right. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I know that um, I'm kind of a freak when it comes to productivity, Uh I could easily write 5K in a single night. I have done it. Um, but that's me. And so don't compare yourself to me or to anybody else when it comes to that. If 500 words a day is a good goal for you, then that is your goal, and you own it, and and you you do it. That's what it is. Now, I will say the month that I did, I did a, um, I had to write a 100K novel in about a month. Uh No, this was something I had to do. It was required. Um, I had no choice. Uh, it was a contractual issue. Um, and a communication confusion. Anyway, I had about 100K in a month. And then I wrote nothing for five months afterwards. Because it burned me out. Because when I say that I wrote 100K in a month, I wrote, edited, I wrote two drafts of 100K in a month and edited and presented it to my agent. In yeah, that's basically brutal. thirty-two, basically thirty-two days. So I know I'm yeah, capable right of doing right. something like that, but I wouldn't want to ever do it again. <laughs> yeah, writing a rough draft of 100K in a month. I mean, if you're motivated on it, if you're if you're not motivated but inspired, if you're inspired by what you're working on, 100K in a month isn't. The rough draft, but the editing, I mean, the editing and finalize, finalizing a 100K novel is, is in a month would be brutal. It was. It was absolutely brutal. Um, I got through keyboard, uh, three keyboards a year. So I'm not sure if it was um, just because I needed a new keyboard or if I, if I fucked that one up by the end of that, but I did get a new keyboard shortly afterwards. Because we're talking about insecurities a little bit, it, some, of the, some of the stuff can be about insecurities or critical voice or anxiety or whatever, because um, we're talking a little bit about stuff that can be very personal. Um, if anybody, I, I'm gonna, if anything comes up in the chat room, I'm going to not use names um, unless somebody gives me permission to because I don't want to call anybody out publicly. Um, but a couple people have commented about um, that one of the things that gets in their way is an inner voice that tells them it isn't going to be good enough. Um, 
it's really hard to, to silence a voice that tells you that something isn't going to be good enough. Um, and there's, I think that there's, I mean, I can think of several reasons why people have that voice. Sometimes it's a parent voice. Sometimes it's just fear. It's a fear thing. It's about, um, um, not being, um, sometimes the voice is just our own voice. Sometimes we are our own biggest critic and our fear about our own, um, what we feel as being imperfect gets in our way. Um, I mean, I can't speak. It, 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 how the, strat- the strategies for handling that kind of voice, that it's not going to be good enough voice, can really very depend upon what, um, what the source of it is. Um, for me, when I was younger, it was most likely coming from um, perfectionism and OCD. It was a lot of the OCD anxiety base that it wasn't ever going to be perfect. And I would tell myself it was never going to, it wasn't going to be good enough. But what I was really saying was it wasn't going to be perfect. And one day I had to have the, you know, it's like the come to Jesus meeting with myself that it was never going to be perfect. That that was true. It was never going to be perfect. But that it was going to be good enough because they're not the same thing. And um, my perfectionism was really getting in my way. And. Uh, when it comes to OCD, I have to kind of, you know, balance. It's one of the strategies I went through in therapy about how to balance. Um, letting the OCD kind of just be if it wasn't harming me, but that I have to kind of be ruthless about controlling it when it's getting in my way. And when it comes to perfectionism, perfectionism almost more than anything else um, is, is something I have to squash really hard. I have to really just step on that voice really hard because it can it can be paralyzing. I'm gonna tell you a story about my OCD and what it did to me, and it led to one of the biggest rules on my site, and that's the rule about no critical no constructive criticism which you know I think is a fucking myth anyways this person pointed out something in a story in what might have been about I don't know four stories in five stories in um, and I deleted the comment I was like fuck it I'm not gonna mess with it but it kept bothering me and bothering me and bothering me now for those of you who listen to my podcast a lot, you know I have a lot of work in progress. And even then, I had a lot of work in progress. Um, this particular mistake preyed on my mind for about 24 hours before I had to get up out of the bed in the middle of the night to fix it. And by means, and by fix it, I mean that I went through every single work in progress I had, fan fiction and original, to check for this particular mistake. Currently, I have about, I have a little over, I have a, over a million words in work in works in progress. And at the time, I had about 900,000 published work on fan fiction. Um, so after I went through all my fan fiction and all my original work, it took 16 hours. I did not sleep. 
Then I went on my website and corrected all the stories on my website. So this one person's one-sentence comment kept me awake for basically 46 hours. I'm making such a face. Because, because a typo upset her so much that she had to comment on it. And for the record, after going through basically was probably two million words of, of, of writing, I found that exact that, that error exactly once in the story that I posted on my site. But I could not stop looking. I literally could not stop looking. And it doesn't you know, and it would. I also looked at my rough drafts. So it wasn't just final products I was looking at. I was looking at rough drafts. I was looking at uh, notes. Uh, you know, anything that was digital got a look through because of one typo that one person pointed out to me. And I go to my doctor and I tell her I need what kind of my medication because this isn't this isn't good enough. And I told her what happened, and she was like. I hate nitpickers. <laughs> but honestly, I <laughs> yeah. had a problem. I mean, yeah, I mean, beyond this asshole commenter, I had a problem. Um, and so I got more medication, and um, I made rules for myself, and I made rules for my site, and that's why. Because um, after I finally got it all settled, I slept for two days. Because this one person couldn't walk away from my site without telling me about my typo. And maybe that sounds crazy to someone who doesn't have OCD. And you don't get it. And you don't have to get it. But I am the person who's gone away from my house 40 minutes and had to turn right back around because I couldn't remember whether or not I locked my front door. And it was driving me nuts. So I had to come back to the house to check the door. And sometimes I'll be sitting in my driveway getting ready to leave and have to get out of my car to check the door because I can't remember if I've done it or not or if I'm not sure. I'm not sure, so I have to go check. Sometimes as much as three times before I can get out of my own driveway. This is what having an obsessive-compulsive disorder will do to you. And so um, and uh, this OCD can very much get in my way. This is this is me getting in my way. This is the way my brain works. I mean, I'm that kid in kindergarten who color who who sorted their crayons by by shade and color. And if anybody left their crayons near me, I'd do it to theirs too. I'm with you on that one. When it comes to things that are colored, you know. Colored, sized, or something, those things are like, my brain automatically goes to, it needs sorting. Well, you know, I've gotten used to my brain. I've, I've, I manage it. Yeah. Um, I manage but the work. There, there are. You never know what's going to push you off the deep end. Yes, that's true. You never do know. And and the thing about, you know, there are some, some things, there are things we, we have that are just part of the way our brains work. 
that get in our way. And we have, those are the things, they're just part of us. So the last thing you want to do is throw more stuff in your own way because you've already got the, the set of things that you don't really have a choice about, whether that's your, any kind of predisposition you have towards anxiety or acquired anxiety or, um, you know, whatever your background, your history is, there's things that you don't have a lot of control over. So, you know, it's, it's really important because you're going to be getting in your own way to some degree no matter what. So don't get in your way more than you have to. Um, the people who are talking about the it won't be good enough voice, um, they both, a couple, they, a couple people chimed in with what they're, and they, different sources. So my it won't be good enough comes from perfectionism. We have um, somebody else, their won't be good enough is coming from external voices. They've heard in their life critical voices. They kind of internalized. At least that's the way I interpreted what I read. If I got that wrong, feel free to tell me. Um, and another person says it just comes like a self-confidence issue, which could be tied to, um, this is, again, an interpretation, anxiety, a lack of experience. Um, the person who said that it had um, related to self-confidence, uh, she said that the more she writes, the better it gets. And um, I'm familiar with, with her writing, and it has, it, it, the more she writes, the better she gets. This is true. So um, writing is, is, a, is a journey. Learning to write is a journey. And if, you know, being new is, is where your self-confidence issue lies, you know, um, then the only way to, to work on that is to just do it, is to get experience and keep trying over and over and over again. And get you, you know, get you some peeps who will help you grow in a constructive way. Not a critical way, in a constructive way. Um, the person whose voices are coming from outside, um, this is, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm, this is just my suggestion about silencing the critical voice and, you know, don't do it in your own head. Okay, there are you can read lots of articles about how we can get wrapped around the axle in our own brain and things will seem eminently logical in our head. As soon as we say them out loud, you'll hear them for the fallacy that they are. Which is why when you're trying to plot, you know, tie this back to the whole right, then you're trying to plot and you've got a plot hole, you can cycle on that in your brain. Um endlessly and not see a solution and the minute you talk about it with somebody you know sometimes I've barely gotten the words out of my mouth before I know what the pro- how to solve it or I've barely seen the words written on the screen um, before I have the solution because it's about changing the way the data is coming into your brain um, and if you've got a critical voice telling you you're not good enough and it's not your critical voice it's somebody else's critical voice I would challenge that out loud. Like, say the words. You know, I'm good enough. Whatever I do is good enough. It's good enough for rough trade. It's good enough for the wild hair project. It's good enough for the quantum bang. It's good enough. So all it has to be is whatever is in you to give. No more, no less. I think the fan chat. I think with fan fiction especially, there is this um, 
there's another layer that you deal with um, when you write fan fiction and um, you may be hesitant to talk about it because you anticipate being shamed for it or being asked yeah. while you're waiting, while you're wasting your time or, um, or having to, to defend your hobby. Like it's not like it doesn't have any value. Um, and so like over the last year, whenever, when somebody asks me what I'm doing, I, I tell them, something that makes me happy and then if they pressure me on it I give them a oh I'm writing this fan fiction story about this this and this because it makes me happy and I end it with that and then I watch them flail as they try to find some way to invalidate my my happiness it is it is deeply rewarding Watching someone try to figure out a way to tell you that you need to stop doing something that makes you happy. It, I mean, it's just, it, it's amazing. It, like, it, it is a very liberating moment. Try it. You won't regret it. And if they do, have something come out of their mouth, they're like, oh, wait, you mean I can't do stuff that makes me happy? And just look as confused as you possibly can. Yes, this is trolling. Level 20. Own it. In the end, you're writing... Um, you only have to please you. I talked once about the first novel I ever wrote and how I still have it and how I don't have the heart to edit it or take the idea and and make it something viable because I feel like it would take something away from the version of me that wrote it. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. I mean, objectively, it's terrible. But I'm really proud of the me who wrote it. Because she wrote it. She wrote a whole damn book. She wrote a 120K of a damn book. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> you wrote a book. Go and you. So, yeah, right? Because I, I, I finished it when I was 13. So like, go, yeah, me. Look, look what I did. And, and I don't owe, I didn't owe the world, a good book. Oh, the world, you're writing. It only has to be good for you. And if somebody else is enjoying it, great, fine. If they don't, fuck them. Would I never let anybody read my first novel? No, because it was, it was for me. And my, my mom read it. Because that's my mom. And um, after she finished reading it, she went to the store and got me some more paper. And asked me what I was going to write next. There was never, oh, well, you know, this wasn't too great. Maybe you shouldn't try anymore. It was, what are you writing this time? Here's some more paper. Do you need some ribbon for your typewriter? Need some ink? We'll get some ink, too. Yeah, but if you don't have that, 
if, if, if you don't have what I had in that moment, that, that encouragement from my mother, um, you need to be your own cheerleader and surround yourself with a really healthy, positive tribe, which is what mm-hmm. we've tried to create online together with Rough Trade and Wild Hair and, and now with the Quantum Bang and Minion Headquarters on Facebook. We try to be a very positive, creative tribe. And, and I, think that, I think we're succeeding at that. I think we're succeeding at it. I agree. I think we are succeeding at it. Um, you know, when it comes to fan fiction, you find – you can go and try to find someone who's qualified to judge if it's good enough. And anybody who's willing to judge your fan fiction is not qualified to do it. It's a recursive argument. It's circular. It's because there is no answer. If the only person who's qualified to judge is you. Do you like it? Yes. Does it make you happy? Yes. Post it. <laughs> is it the story? <laughs> or even if you don't post it, is it the story you wanted to tell? It's just for you. you know, I would never let anybody read that first novel I wrote. Not because I'm not pleased with what I did when I was a sprout. I'm very proud of myself. Now, this day and age, I would just be all up in the, you know, there's a little bit of, oh, my God, the first thing I ever wrote in my life is one of my most hated tropes, which is amnesia. And it's just, I'm a little horrified. (laughs) There's no fixing that. If I was 13-year-old today, I would have a WordPress. I'd be posting my shit. Look, read my stuff. (laughs) I would, too. I would, too. That's not about that. I'd be that. Oh, but it's because I was into that when I was 12 or 13. I was really into it. I'd have been, I'd have been all over fan fiction now, you know. Um, the thing is, is that it's critical voice, if, if you've gotten a lot of critical voice when you were young, especially about creative pursuits, um, it is going to be hard. Fandom is fandom. Any kind of writing is a hard road to hoe. There is no doubt about that because fandom cannot shut its fucking mouth, which is part of the reason why the Wild Hair Project exists. It's part of the reason why the rules in rough trade are the way they are because if you don't want to hear critical voices, you just want to engage in the thing that you want to do, you should be able to do that, and that's Okay. The world makes us take criticism, unfortunately, that we don't want. Jobs, family, we sort of have to kind of, to some degree, have to deal with it, but you don't have to deal with it about this. You don't have to deal with anybody's criticism about your craft when it comes to painting or your crochet or whatever, you know. just you, if, uh, It just, it makes me crazy that people cannot shut up. It's also important to recognize that even if you're, exposed to criticism that you don't have to take it to heart. Someone can give you their opinion, but you're not required to listen to it, read it, accept it, or assign value to it. An opinion doesn't automatically have value. Don't fall into that trap. (laughs) No, no. Opinions, just, you look at the comment section anywhere, opinions have no value. But a lot of people automatically assign a certain value to an opinion. Like it's, but like Boo says, opinions are like assholes. 
There's there's a second line. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, only if you don't clean. Because <laughs> the person who put hand sanitizer on her emergency must have an all-times list. But her second line is, everyone has one and they usually stink. So, whoa, too far. Go get in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I reminds me I, of that terrible I, thing that happened in my chat room once. And... I am. Um, I re- I don't remember. I don't remember who this is. I wish I could remember who. But if, even if I remember who, I wouldn't say. So it doesn't matter. Um, I know someone had put up their work on oh, their own website, and um, they closed it to comments as soon as they put it up. Which, okay. That's fine. I have. I think that's absolutely a great thing to do. Is if you know that you cannot deal with any kind of even the risk of critical input, close off comments. Do not give people a way in. Okay. Um, anyway, I remember I I went, found a link to this website. Somebody posted a link to it in MHQ. Oh, it might be. Okay, it might be you. Um, anyway, so I read this story that somebody posted a link to it in MHQ, and. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I get to the end and comments are turned off. And I had that moment where I was actually, because I would have left, I would have commented that I really enjoyed the story. Um, but I was actually, I was, it was this weird moment of where I was like, just really glad that this person had turned commenting off because they were taking care of themselves to not have comments on allowed on their website. Um, and that was really obvious. Hit that, that's what they hit were that doing. like button extra hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do recommend uh, um, uh, turning off uh, comments. If you post on AO3, make your comments moderated, turn off notifications in your email, and, and never look at them again. Yeah. Never look at your moderated comments. If you have your own WordPress, which I highly recommend, I really do. Um, I know everybody's you know, so into archives, and I, and I get that because archives are very convenient for readers, but I'm not out here to be convenient for readers. You you might have noticed. Yeah, I might have noticed. I mean, if you want, the thing is, it's about you being able to resist your own temptation. If you want, um, if you want, um, Uh, sorry, brain fart. If you want to put your story in an archive so that it will like live for all eternity, put it up on the archive on AO3 and orphan it immediately. Post it and orphan it. That means you will never be able to touch it again. You will never receive notifications about that story. It will be part of the anonymous pile of orphaned works on AO3. But again, you'll never be able to get it down. So if you're like thinking you want to bail on fandom or whatever, but you, if you're sensitive to the critical voices, you could never go in and look at the comments because the comments will be there. You will have, nobody will have any control over them. But the other option you could do is you could post on wild hair. And if you don't want comments, just send a moderator. And again, turn them off that you want comments. Tur- yeah. that you want comments turned off and we can turn comments off on your post. That's not a problem. They're bleeding. There are, there are not many people who want that, want that. So it's not like it's a heavy moderation burden to turn off somebody's comments. 
And if we have and also, if you're on Rough Trade and you don't want comments, let me know. I am more than happy to turn off the comments on every single one of your posts. I don't care to do that at all. Um, Take care of you. Because you don't owe anybody space on your work to intrude. Sometimes comments are great, and sometimes they are profoundly intrusive. Somebody asked me once, um, about, we did a, we did a, did a podcast about, um, sort of the theme as it was. I had, I had made a really indelicate comment to somebody, um, because I was tired. I don't remember what was going on with me at the time, actually, but I was tired and exhausted and bad shit had been going down. And I made a comment about, Something along the lines of that I hadn't pointed something out, didn't point something out to them or whatever because there was no point in pointing out something to them that they weren't basically qualified to fix. I don't remember exactly how I said it, but it was just not the kind of thing Beta should be saying to people. But like I said, it was, I was not, it, it kind of popped out and I regretted it immediately. I kind of like, you know, face palm, but you can't take it back. And we, so we did a podcast about basically that your beta is lying to you. Um, and people might interpret that to mean that compliments are blowing sunshine up your ass. Somebody can have, it is not, there's no contradiction in someone giving you a genuine, honest compliment, but also still being capable of seeing where you've made mistakes. Okay. So if someone tells you they really enjoyed your story and they stop there, it doesn't mean they're blowing sunshine up your ass. It means that you didn't ask them for a critique. You didn't ask them what your mistakes were, okay? So because someone isn't telling you, I mean, to me, somebody coming in and telling you all those things you've done wrong is something process that needs to be invited, right? That's a beta. That's an alpha. That's somebody who's in your process. But I can enjoy a story, see that it has flaws in it, but it doesn't necessarily affect my enjoyment of it. They're not mutually exclusive. I I enjoyed the hell out of the story recently and abused the fuck out of parentheses, which is one of my big pet peeves. <laughs> I mean, there was so much stuff in parentheses, but I wouldn't hesitate to enjoy that and to... to um, recommend that story because I found it very enjoyable. I've, I've read stories where the tenses were all over the place and I enjoyed them. I've read stories where the point of view, the head, the head hopping like a motherfucker and I enjoyed it because the, you can enjoy something and it have flaws that those two things are not, um, there's no there's no contradiction. They're not mutually exclusive. Something doesn't have to be perfect to be enjoyable. 
there are and actually it's a reflection sometimes of how enjoyable something is that I can get past a pet peeve. So if present tense is actually something I don't usually like and I'm recommending a story from present tense to me, it was so enjoyable that I got past that. Um, so if you're a really critical person, self-critical person, and people compliment you, don't assume that that compliment, because you're assuming that there's tons of faults they're not telling you, which may be true or may not be true, but don't mind read for starters. But the second thing is don't assume that the compliment is bullshit. Just because they're not critiquing the fuck out of you doesn't mean the compliment's not genuine. I would love if invited. If somebody invited me to talk to them about their parentheses usage, I would love to do it. If it's not invited, <laughs> all I'm going to say is I really enjoyed the fuck out of that. Thank you. But that's the only kind of comment. It, it, but my my enjoyment is not negated by the parentheses. It doesn't. My compliment to them is not invalid because we didn't talk about their abuse of parentheses in the narrative. Right smack dab in the narrative, talking to the reader for fuck's sake. Yes, it's a big pet peeve. But so if. If you've got that voice that is negating your compliments because you feel like people are being polite or because they aren't being critical of you, if you feel like it's not a compliment, if it's not couched in criticism, no. You just need to shut that up. Just shut it up. Just turn that off and just Accept it for what it is. And if, and if you can't, if you can't have any feedback, then just say no feedback. That's fine. No, Ellie, no. <laughs> you troll. No. <sighs> Brackets are worse. Why aren't you in the corner? I put you in the corner. <laughs> yeah, out of the corner from last podcast. Amy was checking the tulips had been planted over there or something earlier. Um, So somebody asked about um, the horrible to usually comment. It's not horrible to not comment. No, there's no obligation. Okay, folks, there's no obligation. There are people who think that they are obligated to give criticism, which I don't know, like, what the fuck? Shut up. Nobody, nobody, you know, ordained you to do that. There were no, you know, ritual um, induction of critiquers. So um, it is not rude to not comment. It's not rude to only – it's only not rude to only hit the kudos button or the like button or whatever it is you're going to do. Um I have to admit, I do see people comment about anxiety about giving comments because they thought they're going to fuck up their comments. There are some default things you can go to that should be anxiety-free for anybody, you know. Um, thank you. I enjoyed that. Um, thank you for sharing your work. Any of this, if you like, there's like a, like a short list of shit you can say that is, a reflection of um, just appreciation for what they've done that will make the author feel good. So if you have anxiety about leaving comments, come up with a list of, 
you know, and you want to leave comments, nobody, you don't have to. But if you have anxiety about it and you want to leave comments, what's a list of things that you can say to get? And if you ever get critiqued from an author about your your thank you or your I enjoyed that being inadequate, seriously let me know because I would like to have words with them. <laughs> me too. I will be more than happy to go over there and give them some seriously adequate feedback. Very adequate. <laughs> um, I've got several hundred words and about an hour to spare. Let me know. I have le- almost less patience for writer entitlement than reader entitlement. Um, so, you know. Oh, believe me, it happens. It happens. It's happened to me, actually. Um, if it ever does, I mean, authors do this shit, right? And they pick up this entitlement and fandom, okay, that I'm not releasing the next chapter until I get 500 comments or whatever, five comments or 100 comments. Until we reach 500 likes, I'm not releasing the next chapter. People do really stupid shit. So, um, but if anybody ever tries to shame you for leaving perfectly nice feedback, um, because you know it's not it's not high quality enough, um, just seriously let us know. We'd be perfectly willing to give them some structured feedback. Because why I don't go out of my way to dissect stuff when I'm reading for pleasure, I'm more than willing to give them some, some seriously constructive feedback about their their GMC, their characterization, their plot. I might have to copy and paste it and put it into a Word document first, but I'm more than willing to do that. Because there's a difference between an alpha read and an anal probe. My goodness, as I... uh, Did you have to... Did you you have to use that one word? That one word. It's that last word. It's that last word. Why do you have to use the last word? I don't even... I just... Whenever I see that in the book, I want to throw the book. There's no need to call anything that comes out of a body that... That word. Unless it's coming out of a cow. (laughs) A girl cow. While she's being milked. I'm just saying. Anyways. I don't know if that... I don't know what's worse, the C word or the J word. The J word? Juices. Well, I'll take that over something that evokes an infection any day. <laughs> Sorry. Juices, you know what's juicy? Meat. Meat is juicy. Fruit is juicy, too. Fruit is juicy. A pussy is, should not be juicy. It should not be considered juicy. Any more than it should be considered... I oh. <laughs> oh. 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 thought Juicy just sort of mentally offends you. It's like you're gagging over creamy. I mean, I don't know when, <laughs> who who decided that cream was the right. You know, a man decided that shit. A man decided that shit. 
Anyway, gross. Um, I don't know if there are any resources about how to write decent porn, but I write really decent porn. You should use me as an example. <laughs> Go be inspired. You know, there's no cream involved. <laughs> Unless it's going in somebody's coffee. <laughs> no. No. God, that's worse. How could it be worse? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I can't even. Oh. There's no way I could actually say that out loud for the podcast. I'm sorry for you guys listening to this historically from his, from a from the I, from the future. I, um, I can't. I'll say this. I can't. That, I will say this as Patricia needs a prescription. <laughs> Antibiotics, maybe some shots. <laughs> Jeez, maybe a hospitalization. Well, that's not. That's not good. <laughs> That's some kind of freaky-ass plague. Okay, anyways, um, one of my um, stumbling blocks I learned early on about myself um, as a writer were were deadlines. Whether they're self-imposed or whether they're um, contractual obligations or, or whatever, deadlines can fuck me up. So I have to have coping strategies to deal with deadlines. So when you write professionally, you don't have a choice. You have deadlines. You just can't get around that. Um, eventually, you will have a deadline you have to meet. <laughs> Although I don't often write on spec anymore um, to avoid deadlines. But I am going to engage in the quantum bang. Um, and so I, I've been trying to figure out how to manage that whole deadline thing because there is a deadline involved in the quantum bang. And um, for me, the best way to get ahead of a deadline is to give myself five months grace. So probably start writing my bang tomorrow (laughs) with the intention of finishing it by December. Because if I let myself get to the deadline, I'll stress myself out. So to manage my own issue with um, deadlines, I have to um, create a different kind of writing schedule. No, Ron does not. Ron doesn't do anything. Oh, my God. Prozathon in the chat room. <laughs> oh, I have to agree that Ravenous Rift is worse than Seeping Southern Slit, which is very difficult to say, by the way. Um, it is. It, that was in a published novel. I want to say that was in a published novel. Okay. I actually um, out of that Julie, book over that. I talked about my personal um, pressure point. What's your pressure point? Um, these days, not in the past. 
boring myself. <laughs> um, I sometimes I just I don't know. Sometimes I just feel really bored with everything that I'm writing, and it can kind of paralyze me a little bit. Um, I know it's a head thing. I know it's a head thing because. Otherwise, if I was really bored with everything I was writing, I wouldn't be interested again a week later. Um, but um, that's more. But that's not really the big pressure point. Um, actually, I think it's that. Um, um, trying to force myself to write things that aren't where my head is are it can be catastrophic for me um and I've done it a few times I've actually done it probably more than people would suspect um and um it just doesn't it's just I can I will try to power through because I can power through I can power through and get 100k out on something um and get through it and it'll take me a long time to get any perspective about it because I will have it's like it's kind of killing my passion while I'm writing it does that make sense mm-hmm. it's like because sometimes I mean I do believe this is one of those things where like it's my own belief sometimes to come come and feel like they're contradictory and it's probably a good time to talk it out with somebody to hear that I'm not that I'm being a little bit too rigid um, which is that sometimes you do have to just say, I'm going to get this done. Uh, but that can't be, you know, a whole fan fiction piece of work. It can't be the whole, whole it can't be the whole banana. Uh, but sometimes I, what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, you just have to say, okay, I got to write this last chapter. I just got to do it. You know, falling action, there's usually for me very little inspiration going into falling action. It's what I plotted to happen. And I'm just kind of, you know, getting to the end. Um, because if I'm really inspired, the action is going to start to rise again. That's just the kind of where my brain is. So mm-hmm. falling action can almost be like, you know, um, the work part of writing. And the same thing with editing. And sometimes you just have to get it and get it done. So there's that. But if it's the whole thing, if it's the whole concept, like sometimes you sign up for a challenge and you're like, what was I thinking? Um, if you see a part of me that would not quit, that would like not let go of something that was making me miserable. And it's just been recently that, um, been recently that I've been able to let go of, um, the inability to quit and been able to say, okay, I'm backing out of this. This doesn't work for me right now. Even if it means I can't sign up for your challenge next year or whatever there's consequences, right? Sometimes you just have to say this isn't, working for me and that's hard for me to do I will put myself through hell to try to meet a commitment but then I remind myself this is fan fiction it's supposed to be fun and I'm turning it into torture they're crazy just you just have to I don't of, even hmm I don't even know what to do with what's happening in the chat room right now. Uh, but <laughs> can't. 
Um, for me, uh, I think the second issue um, that I've let get to me in, in recent months would be intrusive feedback. I let it totally derail me during Rough Trade um, last November when I was doing Revenant. Was that Revenant? Or was that synthetic? No, Revenant was in the summer. And I pretty much was derailed the rest of the year. Because I, I don't, I make a habit not to take feedback personally. Um, it is always my goal to never allow somebody to, to impact my process that way. But there was a segment of people who hit a spot I didn't expect to get hit. Um, you know, yeah, sometimes my grammar's sloppy, okay. Sometimes I kill people twice, okay, that happens. Um, maybe it happened more than once in Dr. Lowell. But, you know, fine, right? Sometimes I do typos, sometimes I use the wrong version of there or to or it, whatever, fine, okay. But to actually have more than one person question my ability to be creative really fucked me up. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a spot until someone hit it. And then it got hit repeatedly. And worse, when I put it up on wild hair just to, just to set it aside for a while, I still got comments about it. And I was like, fine, I just turned comments off on wild hair and on my site where it's currently linked. Because I couldn't, if one more person asked me for the source material on that story, I was going to lose my fucking mind. And I didn't even know that was a spot. Like I said, until more than one person hit it. And I was like, well, I don't even understand where that's coming from. It's like they all thought I had, had never had an original idea in my whole damn life. I, that, that, that's what it felt like, whether they thought that or not. That's exactly what it felt like. So I none of us are immune to that. I, th- I, I, um, so we're talking a little, yeah, we're talking a little bit different than rough draft issues. It's when, um, someone is sort of, even though they mean it in a kind of a, they're not necessarily, because you can tell people whose intentions are passive aggressive, but, when people are unintentionally intrusive, it's almost harder to deal with um, because they aren't meaning anything negative by saying, oh, where is this other thing? Where's this fandom? Where can I go read about this? They're obviously not trying to be twats, you know, but they, it's like, well, are you not thinking? Have you ever known me to not cite source material? Have you ever known me to not credit if I was borrowing another idea? Have you ever not known me to list my fandoms that I'm using? I mean, really? Have you ever not known me to not be creative? So where is this coming from? So it can be really difficult to deal with. And the more unintentionally, uh, unintended it is, the insult, I guess you could call it, um, the harder it is to react to. Because if somebody's being, we have a couple people who are like masters at crafting an insult as a compliment. Um, Word. I banned and one person those, outright. They can't ever comment again. Yeah. Well, they can comment, but their comments got back into the trash because I can't deal with it. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. They're so good. And the thing is, I, I am really, I mean, I can spot 
comp, a, a critique masked as a compliment. And when that person, when they're being a twat, that just, I actually roll my eyes at people like that because they're so, it's so transparent, it's pathetic. Don't compliment me while you're giving me, actually insulting me. Um, but it's people who, yeah, it's sort of like, like somebody's, it'd be kind of like somebody's compliment you, complimenting you on, and they describe the compliment they're giving you, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your misinterpretation would be rape, and you're complimenting me for that? Really? Ew. You know I don't write stuff like that. Um That, I just uh, got the uh, – go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just – I mean, that came up with me on one site. Somebody complimented me for something in a story that um, – and, and I don't think they – maybe they didn't realize that what they had just described was rape, but it wasn't what was going on in the story. It was some weird, perverse interpretation of what was going on. And they are complimenting me on it, and I was like, ew. I don't write that kind of stuff. Um, I would never have a pairing have – um, consent issues in it. That's just gross. So it just, it, it kind of makes you feel like, well, the, my readers don't understand what I'm trying to do. It kind of makes you kind of, I don't know, question yourself or question, do my readers not know what I write? Do they not understand me at all? I don't know. It's an odd thing. Um, I have discussed the, the inspiration behind Revenant on the podcast before, but I will answer that question um i was actually having a chat with jilly one night and i was listening to some some music and i had my headphones on and there was a song that came on um my playlist by johnny cash called the highwayman and um i was listening to it and i just kind of had an epiphany um and if you've ever listened to the lyrics of it you will you will see where the um idea for for revenant came from and i'll just put a link and basically it's a story and the lyrics um, talks about how they die, but they keep going on and on and on. And, um, yeah, it's about reincarnation. And I was like, well, what if they actually did go on? What if it wasn't about, what if their soul did move on and on and on? And they move from, and then I talked to Jilly about it, and it just kind of came together. And that's the that's the um, 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 inspiration for Revenant, and that is all it was. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes to get an idea. I got a lot of, I don't know, it just, it it really derailed me all the way through the end of the year. I mean, it, it took me a long, it just took me by surprise. And it wasn't hurt feelings. It was galling. I was like, <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> Where the fuck is this coming from? I, I don't, it was just, ugh. I have to agree. It I almost to agree, like, though, I felt like I was being accused of plagiarism in a way. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, it's just it's 
not accrediting your sources is just not something you ever, you know, if it was a fandom or there was source material, you would obviously have said so. So I don't know. It was just, it was such a strange thing, but I have to agree with you about that intrusive feedback can really be my kryptonite in ways I didn't expect. And it's not because, um, it's not because I get rattled or, um, start to question my um, ability to write or anything like that. It's just, well, we, we all can, we all can, sometimes it's just feeling completely misunderstood. Um, that can be very frustrating or just somebody who just cannot let something go. Um, I have, I have a reader who just loves to get after me about the lack of women in my stories. Um, it just goes on and on and on. Um, and it doesn't matter how many women I put in a story or not. It just never ends. She just can't let it go. I mean, I just delete all her comments at this point. Um, I've tried banning her IP address, but, you know, she either uses some kind of VPN service or some kind of anonymizer or something that allows her to just keep emailing me. Um, women on my uh, block list, so all her comments go into the trash folder automatically. That would probably work. But it just starts to feel sometimes that there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that intrusive feedback can can bring up, and um, I was I was it was probably one of the first podcasts I ever did with you was about my own epiphany about what how fandom had trained me about female MCs, um, mm-hmm. and and you know so I have we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, I did a post on my own site about female OCs. Um, now, when I'm doing OCs, I don't, because I used to automatically, without even thinking about it, make OCs male. And now, I, if it's a toss-up between whether or not it's reasonable for the character to be male or female, I make them female. I swing to this side of female over male if there's not a reason why the character should be. Unless, I'll say this, unless I am using characters I've crafted before. Um, because if I, you know, if I'm saving myself some effort by using characters that I've used in another story, I'm, that just kind of negates the time saving to have to make female characters. But anyway, I am trying to kind of overcome that. I don't use very many canon female characters because there's not a ton in the shows that I watch, movies I watch, universes I write in, there are not a ton of female characters that are canon that I actually want to write about, that I actually like, that are developed enough to catch my interest, which means I'm going to have an interesting female character that's going to be an OC. So anyway, um, anyway, this one person just likes to harass me about this whole issue. And um, Wow, kiss my ass and hers too, if you're listening. Yeah, and I think you probably are. But it's just, yeah, and, and in general, it doesn't bother me. I thought I've done what I feel is a reasonable thing to do to course correct that kind of fandom indoctrination about Mary Sue's. Um, and I do my best to not get caught, you know, to not let myself just um, sort of subconsciously buy into it. And I try to, when I am like, even I, even to the point of like, I try to very actively avoid, except for Ziva really, um, if I'm in a fandom like where I need to break up a canon couple that has a woman in the pairing, 
Um, I try very carefully to kind of end reason, reasons to end the relationship that don't involve bashing the female character. So I've tried to course correct on this female OCs and this bashing of female characters that happens in fandom. Um, and, I mean, it's at the point where it's feeling a little like bullying, what's going on with this lady. Like she wants me to write something that is to her taste or whatever, and I'm not doing it, and she's not letting go. And... You know, it's just it's it, it it's not that 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 one thing that one voice bothers me. It's that it's the whole what a weirdo. It's, well, I mean, really, what a weirdo. Go find an author who makes you happy. I, I'll understand. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she the first couple emails with me, she called me a misogynist. Um, you know, it just. I've had that happen to me too. Suck my dick. I mean, it, it's in your fan lore profile, so that's like, like what the fuck, folks? Um, I, honestly, yeah, I, read that shit. I am, I am not as much of a misogynist as, um, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say it. I was gonna, I was gonna say something terrible, but I just want to rein myself in. Um, Look, I hate Jenny Weasley. I'm going to bash her until the end of fucking time. When I am 70 years old and I'm still writing fanfic, I'm going to be bashing Jenny Weasley. Jenny Weasley is an awful character. She was poorly constructed, poorly executed, in my opinion, and her function in the story was negligible. She's replaceable. Anybody could play her part. Anybody. Anybody. So, um, to to not bash that character because it's a female character would actually be misogynistic. So there, we kiss my ass. But actually, I got accused of misogyny for Tangled Destinies, which will never not uh, know. me. I mean, so I find that funny as fuck. Um, but you know, but it's like sometimes certain things can be just kind of. Um, I do get occasionally get some poking about um, making Tony too ideal, which I find to be bizarre. I actually find as I'm in the realm of writers who make Tony idealize that I do it pretty minimally. I give him faults. I have him screw up, but whatever. If some people think that I'm over idealizing him or making a super Tony or whatever, that's fine. I honestly don't actually to the point that sometimes I'll even will flat out say that I'm in a super Tony up and I don't give a fuck what anybody says about it. I'm just own it. If I want to get He's your unicorn. Fuck that universe, shit. That's right. He is my unicorn. If I want to get him the power of, you know, to destroy the universe, you know, he's going to strap that infinity gauntlet on and do it. So fuck everybody. <laughs> Snap, motherfucker. Snap. <laughs> I I did write one um, rule sixty three with Tony. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever write. Rule sixty three is not my personal jam. It doesn't really work for me. Took it on as a writer. Um, I did write the one. Actually, I wrote two. I guess. Um, the horseman is sort of obliquely rule sixty three, but you have to dig for it if you don't know. If found, please return. Um, but um, I wouldn't like. This is a case of I would not make myself unhappy with my writing to prove a point to somebody. So that's why. 
I haven't written a whole bunch of girl Oh, but stories. if you did turn them, if, if you did write some big ass series, turning a, a male character into a female character, she'd still complain. Of course she would. Because why can't I just use an existing female character? Why do I have to? I mean, there'd be a reason. It wouldn't be good enough. Do you think she's a Tiva shipper? No, the first story she bitched at me about was um, Journey Home, um, that my cast was all male, and um, that it was just kind of disgusting. That I and it was true. I had put a bunch of male OCs in that story, bunch. Um, I'm not saying the disgusting part was true, but I did have a bunch of male OCs, and I could have made some of them female. There was no doubt about that. That they did not have to all be men. And that was actually where my epiphany came from. Was about her. Um, was actually over the journey home, which is that I, why was this cast so rife with? And then she was unhappy because she was like, you know, the one character, like, she like the one female character who actually has fucking lines in your story is the bad guy. Well, she hadn't read far enough to see that things straightened out with Sam Carter. Um, she was just pissed off that, you know, Sam had issues and was kind of being a little bit hostile about it. But, you know, whatever. It just never ended. This is never ending. So I guess I, I pissed her off about something at some point, and she just keeps going. Oh, but she that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that's like I've been putting up with this lady since I published The Journey Home. So it's been years. Um, but it's like the intrusive feedback is most of the time I can deal with it. And then sometimes it's just like, Either it's just worn me down or it just makes me tired or somebody just hits on something I didn't know bothered me. Um, you kind of build up an immunity to certain things. You know, you're kind of like getting inoculated. The more they do it, the more, like, the more you roll your eyes and delete it. Um, and then somebody finds something new to say that kind of hits you in a different way, and you're like, oh, oh, that's really upsetting. And you just kind of go into a great big deep funk. <laughs> right. And it's just throws me off so badly. Like, why did they say that? You didn't even know that was a spot until someone poked it. So, yeah, I, I get it. Well, this is a true. This is a true story, folks. Is that at one point, I when I know I'm not in a place to hear feedback, okay, um, or the risk that I'm going to hear something shitty, I don't. My comments go to a folder anyway, and I just don't check that folder. Until I'm ready to deal with shit. I went through, I don't know what all was going on at this time, but there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and I knew that I wasn't going to be writing again if somebody said the wrong thing to me. If someone spoke side, you know, it's just I was just in a fragile place. And, um, and um, when I finally got around to dealing with my site, I had 200 unapproved comments. Oh, they're a little over 200. That's how long it had been since I had been willing to look at feedback was that 200 people were sitting there with comments unapproved. That's the most I've ever let things back up, but that just means that I am willing to not deal with the world interacting with me when I am not prepared for it because I had to draw those lines. Because I, I was like, I had to prioritize. Do I want to write and if I, what I really wanted to do? And that's, that's part of the strategy thing, right? It's like if – what I really, really want to do is write. I need to not do anything else that might get in the way of that. And if that means that I've got two hours today that I can write and I know what my triggers are that can throw me off of writing and it could be something in feedback, 
It could be the news. It could be some shitty thing on Facebook, which is probably also the news. But I need to avoid everything that's between me and being able to write successfully. Now, maybe there'd be nothing in those sources that would affect me negatively, but there could be. So I've crafted this time out for myself. And part of the self-care for me is to not do things that I know. And that includes sometimes avoiding that one friend who is stuck in the same problem for the last 10 years, and you can't hear about it one more time, okay? I'm using an exaggerated example, but we all have that person or people who just are in the cycle of misery that, you know, it never ends. And I'm not carpool partner. Huh? Or a carpool partner. Or a carpool partner. I, you know, you knew exactly who I was thinking about. <laughs> um, but um, if, if, if what you want to do is, now I don't know how she can avoid the carpool partner, unfortunately. That's one that's a little bit difficult. But because I, I was specifically thinking of somebody's carpool partner, um, which is a very difficult <laughs> one to avoid. But if it's an online friend that's that for you, avoid checking your messages. If it's um, the news upsets you, don't look at the news. If it's a family member who's going to say something shitty and make you um, feel shitty, see if you can avoid them. If you live with them and, you, you know, just try to skirt around them, I don't know. If you don't look at them, don't answer your phone. Remember, this is the, one of the best, one of the, if you want to be right on the things and the best affirmations, things you can tell yourself is your phone is for your convenience and nobody else's. Unless they're paying so your bill, you, they don't have the right to um, expect you to answer the phone when, you, when, when, when they call. And even if they are paying the bill, if you didn't agree to some kind of terms, like you would answer <laughs> the phone, right? you still don't have to answer it. And so, if you're incapable of not answering it, turn it off. Turn it off. You, you've got to do, you, this is how you get out of your own way, is you know what things intrude on your writing, intrude on your ability to be creative, and you avoid them. Which means sometimes for me, if I want to write, I don't get anywhere near Facebook. And sometimes it's not even the news, and sometimes it is the news, because sometimes I'm going to check on my friends and it seems innocuous, and what I get is a face full of news. The awful news, the wrong news. Or worse is some one of my, one of the things that could actually piss me off worse than that is one of my friends sharing fake news, because I expect better than that from you people. I'm just saying. Um, so if you have to put people on snooze I have snoozed so many people lately I mean you've had people on a 30 day time out you know you snooze the fuck out of people unfollow unfollow people who persistently share shitty shit you know if somebody's persistently sharing pictures of abused animals unfollow them you don't need that kind of negativity in your feed but whatever it is you have to do to preserve your mental space and to protect yourself, do it. Don't give in to temptation to let technology pull at you. If this is the writing time you have crafted for yourself, don't do anything else before you do that. So that you can don't read feedback it. on some other story. Yes. Consider it, treat it like it really is sacred because it is. 
consider it self-care. I mean, really, consider it self-care because um, – Yeah, Ellie, are you there, Kara? Can you guys hear me? I'm not sure if – okay, so I think – I heard a little, like, thump that makes you wonder if, like, Kira muted or something. Um, people are still hearing me, so – um, Can you hear me now? But there you are. My head, yeah, my headphones little, unplugged. Yeah, I heard bit. a little thump that made me think that something had gone awry. Um, but Ellie, in response to your question, yes to all of those things. But part of that is um, you have to learn them. You have to learn them and pay attention. So if something throws you out of your ability to write. You need to take a moment to stop and assess what happened. If you don't ever figure out what threw you off, you'll never be able to guard against it in the future. And what were you saying while you were unplugged? <laughs> oh, I was saying that I um, that my creative. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Well, I was talking about the person in the chat room who says they can't hear. Only they only hear you. Of course, only you were talking at the time, so I don't know. Um, they could just be my creative like a few t- seconds behind. Okay, my creative time is um, is is sacred to me, and if I don't have it, I can um, it can make me miserable. It can make me absolutely miserable if I, if I um, if I allow too much to get in the way of my um my creative outlet because um it's just how I get that crap out of my head. It's how I get the stuff out of my head and, it, and you know you know, it's just it's just how just how I do it. And so finding out figuring out your triggers and, and figuring out what puts you off your stride, uh, no matter what you're doing, um is, is really important for your own self care. And I do consider my writing time part of my self care. Yeah, I work from home, is. so I could I could in theory work twenty hours a day, um, but I I have working hours and then I have hobby hours, and I never let my working hours interfere with my hobby hours because then it starts to impact my mental health. And I would say, frankly, that um, fandom and, and rediscovering fandom um, in two thousand eight um, saved me as a writer because I was I was burning out. And I was miserable, and I was deeply unhappy, and I had a lot of stress that it's difficult to talk about even now. And so, in a lot of ways, finding this outlet where I only had to please myself was very, very good for me. And so I'm, I guard that time zealously. Yeah. Writing time is precious, and we should, you know, if you're lucky enough to have 10 hours of writing time a day, jealous. Okay, I'm, I'm going to admit I got envy. Um, but um, enjoy it. Use it. it. You may not always have 10 hours. It may be that sometimes you'll be lucky to have 30 minutes. Whatever time you have that you've carved out, if it's precious to you, do something with it. 
write 500 words, write 50 words. One thing I would say is that don't feel pressured to post your work, Um, especially your work in progress, if you think that feedback can derail you. A lot fandom is very now, 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 now. Give it to me now, 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 now. And so you get into this, this, this thing where you want to feed your readers, feed them, feed them, feed them. But then that's not very healthy for you. And if you recognize that, so you don't post your works in progress. If you know, I don't. Um, EAD is a lot of fun for me, but if EAD or Evil Author Day is it makes you stress it out because you're, you're posting your works in progress, then don't do it. I obviously, if you <laughs> listen to the podcast where I revealed actual word count that I currently have in progress, you know that I'm not sharing all my works in progress on the Evil Author Day. I never would. And you're not required to. So don't give in to that. Um, sometimes fandom is just a ravenous beast. And they can't get enough. You'll never feed them enough. So don't bother feeding them at all. And when you're ready to publish your completed work, stick it up somewhere and move on. Write your next thing. Because it's about you, not about them. There is a place on the Rough Trade Forum where you can share your like doodles, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, basically, you're, you could put a work in progress up. You could put something you're thinking about up. I don't know what that forum is called. I'm trying to get, of course, I'm not signed in because I have been logged out on every single device in the last 24 hours. Right. Um, <laughs> like, what happens? It's like an apocalypse, a log out apocalypse. Terms of service is what that shit is. But I haven't had a yeah. service on any of the sites. Sometimes I'm just in the wrong place. So there is a place, I think it's called the newsstand. Or is the newsstand? Um, Where you post no. your link. That's the strip joint. The strip joint. Oh, yeah, that's about getting naked. Um Yep. So we have this. We have a we have a right. called the strip joint over on the workshop where you can come take your clothes off for us and get on a pole. No, sorry, that was a little literal. Um, you can <laughs> share. I have a. I think I have a couple things up on the strip joint. Um, I have can one thing. Share. Yeah. You can share idea you've got. You can share a tease from it. If you wrote five thousand words, you just want to share it with some people, but you don't want to remember. The forum, the workshop is members only to rough trade, um, but there are still behavior rules. So it, it only members can see it, um, and if someone acts badly over on the forum, there will be repercussions, and we get notified of all. Um, we get notified of all um, new posts. I do. I'm pretty sure Kira does too. I always check out new posts. Um, and so, if, but if anything, if anything ever, if anybody thinks ever said untoward, 
um, on the forum, you just need to let an, ad, an admin know and it will be dealt with. There is a report button. You can report a post on the rough trade or a comment you can report. Um, I turn reporting on. So if there's an issue, um, just hit the report button. And um, I'm saying that. I need to go over and make sure that the report buttons are actually there. I turned it on and then didn't look. I'm pretty sure it is. I seem to recall seeing it. Um, Yeah, it's a little exclamation point. It's down in the bottom right corner. Um, Be sure you're clicking on the report for the right response. And it will send me a I just reported myself. We'll see what happens. I'm going to go over to the dashboard. <laughs> Can you report yourself? I did report myself. <laughs> I didn't report somebody else in case it fucked it up. Um, but, yes, I did get um, I did get a notification saying that, well, there was a, a, a spot in the report section for the forum saying that, that there's a report. And so and it has a link to the link and everything. So that's pretty cool. Let me go see in my email if it reported. No email. I'm actually turning the emails on. Anyways, you can report a comment on the um, if there's a problem, you can report it, and um, I will get uh. I will get um, a notification that there's a report. So, no worries. But you can definitely... um, Or use the communication center or send me an email. Yeah. Carrier Pigeon, Facebook. (laughs) Al. Whatever. Al. Yeah. We'll take Al Post. I would definitely be excited about owl posts. Well, maybe I'd be like, how did you find me? Oh, that's right. Magical owl, they can find me. Um, <laughs> but just, if you want to, if you don't want, if you don't want to take the risk of pub, pub, publishing a work in progress, because, like you just pointed out, Ravenous Beast is pretty close to the right description for tandem. Um but you want to share a piece of it or, you know, come over and do it there. You could put share bits and bobs in, in the notes on your own Facebook feed and limit who can see it. I mean, there's lots of ways to share a piece um, because you just are excited about something you're working on. And there's a way to share your excitement without putting yourself at risk. And that's the point is we talked about jealously, protectively, possessively guard your creative space and what you have to do to keep it safe. And if that means nobody ever gets to communicate with you for good or for ill about your writing, then I applaud you for taking that step. And you also don't know anybody in explanation. Nope. I get, um, uh, rogue ass in the chat room, um, how much do you make when we listen to old podcasts? Um, the podcast basically pays for itself, and that's about all I make. But it's enough because it pays for itself, and that's fine. Um, I get paid uh, pennies for every commercial you listen to. 
on 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 old podcast. And if you're on the site, I get paid pennies for the banners that you see. So if you would whitelist blog talk, that'd be great because I get pennies for that too. So blog talk, the package that I pay for um, is is forty forty dollars a month, and I make just about that much, give or take. Every month in um, ad um, in ad avenue revenue, Blech. I'll get that out eventually. And if it doesn't cover it, I have donations from the site as well to cover it. So it's it's not a financial burden um, in the, in that respect. And I, also, I want to point out that cats really love to hear me talk. So you feel free to put the podcast on when you leave the house for your cat. Because cats love me. <laughs> you could queue up several podcasts and just let it go. Um, if you are out there and you um, would like to figure out, you can't quite think of a strategy for how to post your work in a way that protects yourself or um, how to, you know, protect your writing space or whatever, reach out for help. I we will help strategize with you on that. Um, if you really don't feel comfortable with setting up your own WordPress blog from a technical side of thing, I mean, I could set up a WordPress blog for somebody just like that and get your story posted. Well, you turn off your comments and you'll be set. So, you know, the, people want to help. We want to help you be able to write. If you never want to share your work, that's fine. You don't ever have to. But if you just want better strategies for how to get more writing time, this is not about how to share your work. If you want to, we'll help you figure it out. But if you just want to figure out how to get more writing time in your life, we can strategize about that too. Because it is about making healthy choices for yourself and not letting other people, whether it be family or friends or CNN or (laughs) my TV girlfriend, Rachel Maddow. (laughs) Rachel's my girl, but sometimes, oh, my God, the world is so bad. The world is so terrible. Um, And... um, You have to figure out what your what gets in your way, and then we can figure out how to get it out of your way. And sometimes that might mean leaving your house. Change of environment can be it can be so cathartic in terms of kickstarting creativity. You got to make a good choice, though. You don't want to shut your creativity down. Like you've tried to change your environment, and you put yourself in an environment that makes you massively uncomfortable. But you, you know, most people know what environments are going to make them comfortable, where they're going to feel good, um, and go there. If if nature relaxes you and makes you feel good, go to a park. If you get there and find there's, that there's, you know, eight-year-old triplets are having a birthday party, go to a different park. You know, <laughs> don't be stubborn. 
for real. Find a different park. If coffee shop, if your if coffee shops are, are your jam and you like writing in coffee shops, um, and you get there and there's a lady, you know, who is playing an attitude guitar the whole time you're there, go to a different coffee shop. Yes, that was personal experience, folks. That happened. <laughs> and actually, and actually, it was a dude. Um, he he was. I don't mind people playing their guitar in the coffee shop, but it was so out of tune that it was making me grind my teeth, and I I left because it would have just been counterproductive to. Um, have more than one notebook. <laughs> um, if I have, I how have can you just have one notebook? Yeah, you have one. Um, I have. I've got three right now sitting in front of me. Well, mine are in the other room, but that's just because the air conditioner's in the other room. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I it's yeah, I have done late night writing sessions, um at at restaurants. Um I can't say that Denny's or IHOP is my favorite place to write porn. Um but you know. Yeah. Sometimes you just need but to get out of the place. If you're feeling stifled where you are, go where you don't feel stifled. On the other hand, everything about balance, right? is don't get yourself set up to the point where you have to have a pristine, perfect environment to write. Don't want to get to that point if you can help it. Nobody can write with screaming kids. I mean, I mean, there might be somebody out there. I can't say nobody, but most people are not going to be at their best with kids screaming in their ear. Um, but if you get yourself to the point where you can only write if your environment is pristine, um, that can bite you in the ass just as badly as anything else. Yes, basically don't shoot yourself in the dick. I'm just saying. Yeah. Or anybody else's dick. No dick shooting. Somebody might need that. No dick shooting. On any given day, the, a, a dick is the only part of a man that's really unoffensive, for the most part. It's what okay, it's attached about... to the penis that is it is a problem. That's right. I had a friend once who had a T-shirt that said "Cock is great." It's just too bad it, they come with a man. I was like, well, you can always buy one at the store. <laughs> There's this comedian. I was, it was a Canadian comedy show. I thought this, a lot of people were posting this when it was out. Um, this comedian, she was talking about um, a lesbian that she had so many women who, girlfriends who, who used to be straight who were going lesbian now. And so her, her whole little skit was, like, pointed at, men about what they're doing to alienate their women and like the sum up of it was she's like men listen the women they want your dicks they want them it's the rest of it that they're not too thrilled with (laughs) it's what's (laughs) attached to the dick that they're not too happy with yeah dick is great (laughs) 
Sometimes men, not so much. Now, I'm not a man hater. I love my man. Um, but sometimes he's an unfun kind of dick. Sometimes they are. Yeah. Okay. So I just I just shared the video for that. I found, I found that pretty easily. Um, you guys can watch that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole skit. Straight now. Step up your game. My husband once asked me, he said, why do guys that are you know, kind of feminine get so many women? I'm like, do you want a polite answer or like a real answer? And he said, well, what's the polite answer? I said, they're really good listeners. And he said, well, what's the real answer? I said, they eat pussy like they're starving. His face is priceless. Even now, years later, that amuses the shit out of me. I regret nothing. See, it was this guy I went to college with. Um, all the guys thought he was gay because he was kind of feminine. That boy was not gay. That boy was getting all the ass he could handle and then some. And guys didn't worry about him hanging out with a bunch of girls because they all thought he was gay. Girl, he's not gay. He's banging your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. We have about five minutes on our discussion about... Things that get in your we way. We talked about all the, all the stuff that did we hit, really. Did we, did we hit all of them? I think so. The, the ones that I had listed. Um, well, except for research. Um, and alpha, well, the alpha and beta readers. Um, we've talked about that before, and how um, the wrong alpha or beta relationship can ruin you. Um, be very careful. And what I would recommend is, if you have a new beta or a new alpha, don't give them a big project. Give them something short and see how they handle it. And see if you can handle their their feedback. Because you don't want to give them your big word baby and then get a disaster back. So do a test run if they're new. Yeah. Um, it's because a beta and a, an alpha can, can ruin you. Because an alpha read can be really um, stressful. Even for me, an alpha read is very stressful. I'm like, oh, God, what's she going to say when she sends it back? Because it sucks. It sucks. It, it totally sucks. Uh, it, it sucks. That's why she hasn't sent it to me. <laughs> she doesn't want to tell me how bad it sucks. But a beta reader, I have heard stories about beta readers that have, that have fucked priors up so bad that they, they quit fandom. So try to make it small so you can – Yeah, um, there are people out there – who are baiting who are, they must have an agenda i mean they're trying to make sure fandom i don't know is crafted in, in in the image that they want it to be in or something i don't get it but they're crazy I, I, there's just there's not a good explanation for that crazy. It doesn't matter. yeah just 
You just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta not get into it with that. And if you do encounter um, a really terrible beta, um, and you get some terrible, vicious feedback, treat it like you would if you're giving you a bad diagnosis. Get a second opinion. Yeah. And don't take that person's word as gospel. Because nine times out of ten, they're just being an asshole. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, unless unless all of the corrections are to, you know, grammar and punctuation, then you really need to work on then your Then you comments. just need to but, suck it up. <laughs> yeah, you need to, yeah. But if it's just a bunch of little nitpicky critiques, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, um, yeah, they just like to hear themselves talk. Um, so just make sure some make sure it's a productive relationship for you, and make sure somebody who can deal with you setting boundaries. Like if you tell them you don't want critique on characterization and they can't help but give it to you, it's not a good relationship for you. So if you've been really clear that you don't want you, that and they're giving it to you anyway, that's just what the fuck. If you tell them I only need a line edit, just grammar and punctuation only, and they send you back a whole bunch of comments and um, stuff about your plot, delete the whole file. Don't even read it. I may have been misinterpreting the question that was asked in the chat room about the, the Big Bang um, that we're doing. Um, I decided, We decided not to have a rule about – most bangs do have a rule about beta reading. We decided not to put that obstacle in people's way because um, getting a beta can be really difficult, especially for something novel length. And, and it honestly, can be very stressful. And very stressful. And if the writing is already stressful, I, we don't want to put that stress on top of people who are not prepared for it. So the only requirement is um, the only my, the only requirement is is that you m- need to commit to running a spell check and doing some kind of grammar checker. Um, so that's that's like you know. But you really should be doing that anyway. If that's not your habit, make it a habit. How yeah, would, make that a habit. The beta co- We're down to where would the beta come? Seconds. And I'll try to answer this in chat. Okay. We're down to 47 seconds. You guys have a good weekend, and we will talk to you later. And Grammarly is most definitely your friend. It's a very good tool. Um, it has its limitations, but it's, it, it's really a good tool. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone.